This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. I don't know if you're like me. Occasionally, I have a song that's a favorite song. You ever have a favorite song? Like that song that you get the CD in the car and you put it in there and you just, or like you make a playlist on your iPhone or your iPad, your iPod. One song, that's it. That song on repeat over and over and over again. I can remember one of the first songs I ever did that with was Ice Ice Baby. Way back when, right? Y'all remember that? My parents did not like that song as much as I did (laughs) after several days of Ice Ice Baby over and over and over again. You know, some songs, some songs are so good that we don't want them to end. At the end of the song, we're, we're actually a little sad. I don't know if you've ever paid a lot of money to go to a concert. And it comes that time in the concert where they play your favorite song and you're loving it, you're loving it, and it gets to the end of the song and you're thinking, can you just play that for another minute, please? I think our lives are a lot like that. Our lives are a lot like a song. And, and really... I think that what God wants to do in us is God wants to write a song through our lives that really is so good that we don't ever want it to end. I don't know if you're as old as me. I'm in my mid-30s. But if you haven't been in a classroom in a while, they don't have chalkboards anymore, folks. I don't know if you don't know that. They have replaced all the chalkboards with whiteboards, and now they're replacing all the whiteboards with smart boards. It's crazy. But if you were my age, in elementary school, you got called up to work math problems and do spelling words in chalk. And I was always the kid that would go up, and when I grabbed the chalk, it was inevitably going to do that thing that you never wanted chalk to do when you wrote on the board. That was make that noise, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. That noise is so eerie and horrible that the whole class would cringe. We have about a 10-minute recording of that noise that we're going to play for you right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. You know, Just like a beautiful song, I think our lives can make beautiful music. But I think that it is quite possible that there can be noise that is coming from our lives. One thing that we need to realize about our life is that our lives are always telling a story. Our lives are always telling a story. For some of you, I know you, and I would describe your stories as right now a little bit of a comedy. Because sit back and watch you, and we laugh. And we say things like, bless their heart. <laughs> right? You know what that means, right? You can say anything about somebody if you say, bless their heart. That, that dude's stupid. Bless his heart. 
right? You get away with it. That's the craziest thing. They don't say that in other parts of the country, but we do that around here. Some of our lives are tragedies. And as people watch from a distance, they see the tragic moments and the consequences that come from those. But I don't think that's the kind of story God really wants to write through our lives. Really, I think God wants to write an epic story. A story that as people watch that story unfold, they're constantly gripped by the gravity of the story that's being told. And the story that we're living is a lot like a song. Right now, our our lives are making noise. They're making noise that people who are around us can see. So I think the real question to deal with, especially in the context of worship, is what kind of noise is your life making? What kind of noise is your life making? Because perhaps you're a bit like me and at times I have been that piece of chalk that was grating down the chalkboard and the sound that was coming out of my life was tragic. I'm going to take you today to one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's found in Jeremiah in the 18th chapter. Jeremiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. This is a time where God used men to be his mouthpiece. It wasn't always the prediction of the future as much as it was the word of God being declared out of a man. And one of the things that's unique about Jeremiah is that often as you read through the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah would receive a very harsh message from God for the nation of Israel. And he would cry about that message because he loved them so much. He didn't want that judgment to be declared. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. And in Jeremiah 18, God invites Jeremiah to go and witness something. It's something that honestly would have been an everyday sight in their culture. But for us, it's a little abnormal, but many of us, even though it is not that normal, we have seen it happen. Let's read Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. This is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. There is a, a, a break in the design of this pot. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as he seemed best, as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, Can I not do that with you, Israel? As the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. And that passage of scripture is so important to me that we actually named my son after that. 
My son, his name is Clayton. He's nine months old. It's really out of that prayer that he would be like clay in the hands of the potter. And you know, there's several things that I see in there that are important to us. Last week we said that worship to God can be measured by the distance between God's direction, God's command, and our compliance. Because worship is a response to God. As we looked at the first chapter of 1 Samuel, and we see Hannah worshiping in the middle of a problem as God begins to give her a promise for her deliverance. And then when that present finally arrives, Hannah is worshiping in a response to God. And the measurement of how completely we're worshiping, because the week before that, we looked at John 4, where Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman at a well. And we learn in that conversation that our worship can be partial or it can be complete. If we're going to measure how complete our worship is, it's really the distance between God's command and our compliance because delayed obedience is disobedience. And in this passage, God says something simple. It's easy to miss this. He says, Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. And Jeremiah says, and I got up and went. I didn't ask him why. I didn't ask him, God, I, I've been by there three times today. Can you just remind me of what you wanted to show me? No, he got up and went. Jeremiah responds immediately to the word of the Lord. And God shows him something. God shows him a picture of what our life should look like. Because Jeremiah sees a pot that is being worked on. And the pot, he uses the term marred. It it was incomplete. And if you've ever seen a potter work on a potter's wheel, sometimes the clay will collapse on one side as they're working to design that pot. Maybe for a certain reason as the design becomes, uh, as there's a compromise in that design. It really, Jeremiah sees that brokenness through the hands of the potter be made whole. And God tells him, isn't this how it should be? Isn't this how It should be. Isn't this what life should look like? I speak and you respond. I press in and you give way. A few weeks ago, I was traveling. I had the privilege to be in Memphis, Tennessee, visiting my sister who's moving back here in just a week from now. And while I was there and uh, kind of having the tour of the city, we decided to go to Sun Studios. All right, Sun Studios is an epic location if you're a music buff. I mean, some of the most uh, influential artists of our time were first recorded in really what was a concrete room with tile floors and uh, really old acoustic treatment on concrete block walls. I mean, Johnny Cash was first recorded in Sun Studios. 
Jerry Lee Lewis, Muddy Waters, B.B. King, first recorded ever in Sun Studios. As a matter of fact, it's now back into a fully functional studio. And so when you two did Love Comes to Town with B.B. King, right, off their Rattle and Hum album, they decided there's no other place to record that except at Sun Studios. They went back and recorded in that same little room. But the real claim to fame for Sun Studios is it's the first place that Elvis was ever recorded. Walked in off the street with the guitar that he mail-ordered from Sears and Roebuck. And they recorded him for the first time ever. And see, Sam, the guy who ran Sun Studios, was kind of the guy who, if it was kind of illegal, they'd go ahead and do it anyway. So he got in all kinds of trouble legally. As a matter of fact, you know, a lot of people claim that Elvis is the king of rock and roll. Well, Sun Studios was one of the first integrated studios in the whole country. It was the first place in the southeast that an African-American artist could be recorded. And there were all kind of bands, blues bands coming through there that were tremendously gifted. And what happened was that Sam actually ripped off a lot of that stuff and used it. You know, Elvis is called the king of rock and roll. One of his first songs is labeled like one of the first rock and roll songs is Hound Dog. Right? Ain't nothing but a hound dog. But Hound Dog was recorded by a blues artist out of Mississippi, an African-American woman just months before Elvis ever laid the track. And he completely ripped it off, almost completely. You know, in music, there's always this discussion about the original sound. Where is the, uh, where are we kind of responding to? Where did I learn how to play that? And as you look back through the history, you'll see that this person played this song this way because they were influenced by this person who came before us. And there's something important about our lives that we need to learn from that. And it's this, that the story of your life The story of our life is being lived in response to another story. Let me just give you a simple example for that. Now we all know that the money that we have in the bank, the financial blessings that we have, those came from God. God blessed us, right? And God has a plan for our finances. He wants us not to be takers, but to be givers, Right, he wants us, and, and biblically, he lays out a standard. Hey, here's 10%. It's called a tithe. That's the story that God has invited us in. But you've been invited into another story. You may not know that. Because maybe like me, you've been at home, maybe working out in your front yard, and the neighbors drive up in their new car. And they call you and say, come over and look at this car. It's brand new. And you go over there and they're like, yeah, look at this navigation. It's got satellite navigation. It can tell you where you are. GPS coordinates to the millimeter. And we've got satellite Wi-Fi in the car now. 
Everybody could connect, Wi-Fi, all throughout the car. And look in the back. Every chair has its own screen, cable TV, straight through the satellite, right to the back seat. The kids can watch whatever channel they want. And you're like, I didn't know I needed this. I never heard of this before, but I need, I need all of this stuff. And what's happening is you're being invited into another story. And all of our lives are lived in response to an invitation into a story. And God's invited us, and then the world is all around us inviting us into another story as well. See, I think the question is much like those early artists that we have to answer is, what is the original noise in our life that we're responding to? If you sat down with Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis and those guys who recorded in that one room, they would tell you, hey, here are my influencers. These are the people who, who if you combined their sound and mush it, you would have me. These are the people who influence. So where is your original sound right now? What is the loudest noise in your life? Because for most of us, the loudest noise is what we're really responding to. And I would say that perhaps God doesn't even want our lives to make noise. Maybe God doesn't even want us to be creating our own sound. Maybe what God needs is some of us just to simply decide, Jesus, you're my original sound. All I want to do is reflect you. And just be a living echo of the heart of God. Look at these two verses with me. 2 Corinthians 3:18. So our faces are not covered, and that's meaning that now because of the work of Jesus we can see God, we can know him, we can be known by him, we can pursue him. Our faces are not covered. They show the bright glory of the Lord as God's spirit makes us more and more like our glorious Lord. If you are reading out of the NIV, that passage where it says makes us more and more, you would read the words to be conformed, that God is conforming us into the image of his son. It's the imagery of a potter that is shaping our lives. Look again, Romans 8.29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be what? To be conformed into the image of his son. You see, God does not want us to go out and to be our dream person. He doesn't want us to go out and to be, he wants us to be like Jesus. And he wants us to constantly be shaped 
into the image. And we see that as the potter shapes the clay, the clay has to continually respond to the hand of the potter. Just like an echo. As God speaks, all he needs us to be is a living echo of his word. Think about that with me. See, God wants you to love your family well. But if you've been where I've been, you've discovered my love is just not good enough to love my family well. Really what I need to do is to be a perfect reflection of the love of God that he's given me in my family. God loves me. I am just an echo of that in my family. People have wounded you and you need to forgive them. But you wounded Jesus. And he forgave you. And all we need to do is to be an echo of that forgiveness. See, I don't think God needs us to make our own noise. All we need to do is to reflect his, to be a living echo. So here are three things to being a living echo. The first thing that we need to realize, if we're going to live lives that are living echoes for God, We need to realize that all of our stories started with God's word. Every single story in this room started with God's word. Read Genesis 1 again. In Genesis 1, we see this. Not that when God decided to make earth, he took out a chisel and a hammer and he started hammering away. No, God spoke it into existence. His word started the story. And it's the same thing with us. All of our stories started with God's word. Number two, choosing to respond to Jesus in worship is choosing to be an echo of God's great love song. God loves you, and he has loved you well. That love is not always comfortable. It's not always easy. It's not always what we want. And see, we get a tiny picture of that as we love our children because we know they can't get everything they want. It can't always be the way they think it should be. All right, and that's just a tiny sliver of a perspective of understanding the great love that the Father has for us. See, God's been loving you. And all he needs us to do is to echo that love to the world. That means that when God gives to you, it's not for you. You see, we look back at Hannah in 1 Samuel 1. Hannah who had prayed for a son as she was despised as a barren wife. And God gave her a son. What did she do? She didn't hold on to that son. She didn't cherish it as a blessing. No, she took it right back to the temple and presented it and said, Here, this gift is not mine. It belongs to you. 
I've said this a lot recently. I want to remind you of this. What God does to you, God wants to do through you. What God does to you, he wants to do through you. God doesn't just love you to improve your self-esteem. He loves you so that you can be a reflection of his love to other people. God doesn't give you grace just because you're so important to him. You are important to him. But he gives you grace so that you can be a reflection of his grace to other people as they hurt and offend you. What God does to you, he intends to do through you. And that's what happens when we live as an echo and respond to the love of God. The third thing that I would tell you is that the only difference between a horrible noise and a beautiful noise is really who's playing the instrument. I know some of you in the room are dying to get up here and play these drums. All right? And if I let you get on them, there might be some clanging cymbals that come out of that. Some notes. But it's probably not going to be like David when he's up here playing with us. There are very few of us, probably one of us, that can play the guitar the way Ed does. See, when you put an instrument in the hands of a skilled musician, all of a sudden the noise that was once just noise becomes beautiful. It's a lot like that chalk. You remember the chalk? When it's used correctly, it's an instrument of value. And I think that's really where our lives are. Because we have to ask, if there's a bad noise coming out of my life, if there's a broken noise coming, it's not because there's something wrong here. It's really who's playing the instrument. Are you playing the instrument of your own life? Because if you are, I guarantee you, the beauty of the noise that's being produced is nowhere near what God can do when we completely surrender to Him and say, God, whatever you want, I'm yours. As we get ready to end today, I'd like to look at Romans 12. We've looked at this passage every week as we ended. I think that this is one of those important statements about what worship really is. Therefore, I urge you, Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
I urge you to present your bodies, to give your life as a living sacrifice to God. That is worship. Let's pray. God, today, there's many of us in the room who would say that the noise that we've been making with our lives is nowhere near as beautiful as the noise that you could make through us. And so today, God, we, we just confess that that's because in many ways we've been failing you. We have not been the people that you want us to be, that you've called us to be. We have blown it, God. But because of your great mercy, we realize that today you're here inviting us into a new story, willing to play a brand new song through a broken instrument. So today, if you're here, the real question for you to think about is what kind of noise is coming out of your life right now? As people sit back and look at you and listen to your life, is your life the kind of life that's being lived so compellingly that if it ended right now, people would be going, I, I'm so sad that it's over with. Or have you settled for something that is far less than the best that God wants to give you? Maybe today for some of us in here, maybe today we need to look into the heart of God and say, God, I'm sorry. I've missed the mark. I haven't done what you wanted me to do. I've been living, responding to everything else except you. But today... I'm going to look into your heart and say, you're my God. Take me, lead me, make me whole. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you. If you're the person that's here and you would say, hey, the noise that's been coming out of my, my mouth is just, it's broken. But I want God to come. I want to change players. I want to let God become the person that's writing the story of my life. I want him to play the instrument of my life. If that's you, when I give this invitation, I want you to raise your hand. That's it. I'm just going to have you raise your hand right where you are. If that's you and you'd say that right now, raise your hand. I need God to come and write a story through my life. Raise your hand if that's you. So God, for those of us that are here today that realize that we've been living in a, a broken way, we need you to come and rescue us, change us, ransom us for your glory, God. We just rest in you. We confess that all the things that we spend our lives chasing that we think we need. God, we need you. We love you. So for the next few moments as we worship God, come and change us. 
In the name of Jesus, 